three, two, one. Welcome back to another AT Talks. We're going to have a good one today. We got Allie, we got Dr. Nick Spangler, we got Matt, we got Mike. This is topic five, episode two. I believe it's episode two. Undervalued skills. If you could quickly introduce yourself to the AT Twitterverse, I would appreciate it. Just your name, where you're working, your setting, how many years of experience, whatever you want to say. Uh, my name is Allie. I work as a graduate assistant athletic trainer with Bryant Station High School, Middle School, and Wimburn Middle School in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm getting my post-professional master's at the University of Kentucky. This is my first year as a certified. So my name's uh, Tom said my name, I'm Dr. Nick Spangler. I go by Nick. Um, I work in the physician practice setting for community hospital, and I work specifically with a chiropractor. And I've been working in this setting um, for a couple different physicians um, over the course of the past seven to eight months. Okay, uh, Mike Hopper. Um, I'm at uh, Bishop Lynch High School in Dallas, Texas. And I've been uh, here at BL for almost six years, been practicing in secondary school setting, whether it be PT outreach or directly for the school for almost 10 years. I am Matt Rollins. I work for the University of Rochester's Medical Center where I provide patient care in the clinic and provide outreach to a private Catholic school that houses seventh through 12th grade. Um, been working there for about five years and been certified for about eight. Well, I appreciate all of you taking time out of your day. It's an okay Sunday here in Indiana. It's starting to get warm. It's probably be like upper 40s, maybe 50 degrees, a little windy. But undervalued skills, who wants to go first? What do we have? What do we think? Um, I guess I can go. I actually thought about it a bit while I was grocery shopping today. <laughs> um, so I thought that mid-grocery shopping, I thought probably one of the biggest undervalued skills is just kind of interpersonal relationships, um, communication skills, and just kind of how you relate to your athletes and how you, you know, your patients and how you kind of present yourself. And I don't mean like, you know, physically how you present yourself, but like, do you come off as someone who's just very much, I clock in, clock out, don't really put in any extra effort, or do you present yourself as someone that I'm here for the betterment of my athletes, my patients, um, I'm here to show my support. Uh, I've been pretty blessed with the schools that I've been placed with. Um, there was a bit of a learning curve. Um, I came from a pretty just your average high school, not a lot of, you know, socioeconomic diversity. We're all pretty middle class, nothing, nothing exciting. Just your average Midwest high school. Um, so coming down here where the, and working at um, Station High School where the, there's such a vast range of, you know, the socioeconomic status and, you know, learning more about my kids and hearing more from them, you know, some of them have endured things, um, have to deal with things that I could never even fathom. I could never even imagine. Um, so I think that's when it become, became very apparent to me that um, how I present myself to these kids is 
going to be such a huge factor in terms of, you know, them trusting me as a practitioner and them seeing me as someone that they can come to not only for like physical problems or injuries, but someone that they can come to if they just need to talk to someone or if they're just having a really bad day. And like today is supposed to be a rehab day. Uh, um, I worked really hard so that they can see me as someone that, hey, you know what? Yes, doing our exercises is super important. But if you're having a really bad day, what's most important is the person themselves. Um, so I think that's one of the largest undervalued skills is, and, you know, being able to read your area and read what each position calls of you, you know, each position is different, even hearing from, um, other people that are in the program that have the exact same setup of positions to me, they have very different schools with very different socioeconomic statuses. And so they present themselves differently at their schools than I would at mine, just because the school, the kids ask for things different from them than mine asked for me. Um, you know, I wouldn't change anything about my school. I'm hoping that I'm able to somehow stay longer than my two year contracted year. So we'll see what happens with that. But I mean, it, it's, I think that's one of the most undervalued skills and a skill that if you, um, if you're good at, like if you're able to kind of master and utilize well, I think that's something that can definitely, um, can definitely improve your work environment. Anybody want to add to that or have their own different opinion on what, or their own other thoughts on undervalued skills? So I'm going to go along with her comment um, and, and talk a little bit about mentoring. You know, I think mentoring is one of those skills that we, um, that we undervalue for us. Um, you know, for example, I, I do teach a sports medicine class and, you know, a lot of people, when you read on online and everything and, and you read about sports medicine classes and student aid programs and things like that, and so many people want to talk about, you know, basically creating healthcare providers out of that, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think if we can get, you know, if, if one of my students wants to go into athletic training, more power to them, right? Um, but from a greater perspective, I, I think just helping them find, find their path, whatever that might be. You know, I have two students who in the next year will be coming out, um, two former students who will be coming out as nurses. And, and so, you know, it's, it's great that they were exposed to sports medicine before they got into a nursing program in college and they found where they want to go, you know, through nursing. Um, in our student aid program, you know, I got, I got one girl who wants to go to veterinarian school, Well, that's a little bit different than dealing with athletes. Maybe they won't, those, uh, those animals won't talk back as much. Um, but you know, and then I have another one who, um, we have a girl who raises longhorn cattle. Yes. I'm in the state of Texas. So she raises longhorn cattle, you know, so what are those two doing in an in a student aid program? But they found a home there. You know, um, the one was was in our program for three for three years after she took my sports medicine class. The other one is is finishing her third year, and so it's about helping them, you know, from a student perspective, find themselves in high school. Um, you know, but then 
when you look at it from our patient population and just working with those athletes and again, helping them to understand, um, you know, the long-term effects of an injury and, and it's just that mentoring process and building those relationships is, is so undervalued. I think, you know, when we just want to be healthcare providers, but there's so much more to it than that. Matt, Nick, anybody you want to add anything to that different route? Uh, I'm going to take it a different route. I agree. Uh, both of the points made by Allie and Mike, I agree with those things. Those are definitely things that as athletic trainers, we can tap into more and try to work on, um, become more well-rounded. Um, something that I wanted to bring up, and it's something that I've kind of picked up on more um, as I went through um, our doctorate program and then working with community um, the ability to, you know, see how other healthcare providers document. Um, it's just, I think it's interesting because as, as athletic trainers, we learn a certain way depending, you know, every program's a little bit different, I think. Um, I know I was taught the SOAP method of subjective, objective assessment and plan, and then your reassessment. Um, something that I think a skill within our documentation practices is being able to show quantifiable progress. Um, so whether that's pain scores or, hey, so-and-so couldn't do range of motion yesterday, today they can go through full range of motion without pain. Even if you're not giving concrete numbers, I think even just giving that, um, that little bit of information, hey, yesterday we couldn't do this, today we can. And then, you know, if you work your way up that functional chain of, okay, well, what about if we're getting closer to full return to play? Okay, can we do sprinting? Can we change directions? Can we do single leg balance, jumping? You know, I think that within our documentation, you know, as we're going through, even, even when we're doing rehab, document, hey, so-and-so did X exercise today and they didn't have any pain or they felt more confident while they were doing it or they expressed that it didn't bother them. Just trying to get a little bit more detail and say, hey, this is showing progress and what I'm doing is working. Because I think when I see other, when I, when I see other healthcare providers' notes, it is like down to the fine detail of like what the patient is saying while they're doing that activity. And I think that's just, it's something that I know that I could, could have done better when I was working in the high school setting. Um, and that's just something I think that as athletic trainers that you know, you could look at your own documentation and say, hey, how can I make this show my, show that I'm making an impact um, more evident or more obvious? You're next, Matt. Yeah, buddy. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of Nick. So as I alluded to, I uh, work in the clinical setting and we get to actually treat patients outright from initial eval to discharge. Um, so exposed to with your preceptors, um, what your professors taught you. And as he alluded to, it really can show how much of an impact uh, you make on your patients. And also it's a great way to justify you actually being being able to do what you want. A lot of people, we get a lot of kickback, obviously, in a lot of different ways 
from certain professionals, certain individuals who Is it just my my computer that's having issues with Matt? Can you guys hear Matt? No, he's cutting in and out on my oh, end. We lost you, Matt. Screen's frozen. All right, let's let's give let's give Matt a moment. Hopefully, his, his Wi-Fi or internet or whatever it is comes through. But um, I've been talking to a lot of young professionals the last month or so since I started doing these talks, and a lot of them, uh, very similar theme is what Mike mentioned earlier. And that's the, they feel like there's a lack of mentorship coming from the individuals who've been in the profession for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And, and these young professionals, a lot of times feel like they're on an island, uh, either with their company or at their high school or at their community college. So maybe if we can talk about that a little bit later, because um, I know Matt wants to go and I can see his video working now. Matt, go, go ahead and try to get your thought out that you had earlier. Okay. So, I mean, just I the biggest thing that I have with documentation to follow along with Nick, and then I had something else, um, was that really documentation, as he kind of alluded to with our outcomes and everything, is going to help to drive where we go in healthcare and really help support that. You know, we want to be able to reimburse for our services. We want to really kind of solidify our footprint in healthcare. And I think a big way of doing that um, is being able to document that, document it fully. Um, and then kind of also to pick. Matt, piggyback what? We have to know. <laughs> All right, let's give him another couple of minutes. So, hey, are you back? So you, so you said to piggyback and then your screen went frozen, Matt. What were you going to say to piggyback what? Oh, he's going to move to the other side of his house. <laughs> Closer to the router. Um, so, essentially, as I said, <laughs> I'm just quitting with this. Oh, man. Okay. This is the first, that's the first time we've had issues like that with Matt. But, so, Mike, as someone here obviously we're all pretty fresh and you have lots of experience what would you say to young professionals like me like nick like ali that feel like we need mentorship and we might want mentorship but we're not sure about how to go about it or how to get in contact with those individuals uh you know mentorship's about networking and mentorship's about being a two-way street you know um i i sit here and watch and Technically, I still fall under that young professional category myself um, for a couple more years. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of discourse on, on social media, whether it's in the uh, secondary school's Facebook group or whether it's on Twitter, um, of a lot of infighting really between, you know, between those two uh, those two groups of young professionals and, and the, the old guard, right. Um, kind of what, where they get labeled. Um, but, and like I said, I, I still technically fall under that, uh, young professional category, even though, um, I get told that I have an old soul basically. So I might fall under that young professional category, but everybody thinks I'm old, but you know, 
I, I just think that sometimes um, young professionals who want uh, mentorship are also the same ones who are quick to shut it down when they get criticized. And I think we have to understand that, that taking some constructive criticism can be beneficial, right? And, and so I think that that's where a young professional needs to, you know, really be, be interested in, in listening, right? Um, because there's probably not a situation that you're going through that that person that, that you're, you know, wanting to be a mentor, they've probably been through something similar or, or at least something that can connect the dots. Um, and so if you're just quick to dismiss what they have to say, then, then why would they keep giving you suggestions? Right? So I think that's the biggest key is, is, um, you know, working through those solutions together. Right. Um, I'm not here to say that the old guard knows everything and anything. Um, we, we know that plenty of them are, are stuck in their old ways, right? If it worked in 1975, it still works in 2020. Um, but we can't, we, we need to have reasoning otherwise, just in, you know, in all different directions of why, why we would go a different route or why this brand new thing is, is better than what they were doing, you know, way back when. So we need to do a better job opening ourselves up to criticism and listening, which I think is a very undervalued school with a lot of our patients or our athletes where we know what we want to do, but we might may not be listening to what their goals are what their plan is, how they want to move forward. And said, we're thinking, okay, it's a knee. I got to get you back. We're doing A, we're doing B, we're doing C. Get out of here in 10 minutes. I got the next person. Instead of being like, hey, what do you want out of this? How are we going to get there together? And I, I think that's undervalued. Ali, you haven't spoken in a while. You have anything you want to bring up for undervalued skills? Um, I I completely agree with that. I think, you know, another one too is, is – kind of going off of what you said Thomas is is engaging the athletes in their rehab process engaging them in their treatment process etc because you know it, it's easy for us we have all this knowledge of all these you know exercises treatments etc it's easy for us to just be like okay let's do this let's do that but you know sometimes taking a few seconds to just ask like hey you know what have you tried before what do you think about trying this what are your feelings towards doing this exercise, et cetera. You know, a lot of times that can help you even with like the ongoing evaluation process too, to kind of discern some things. Um, but I completely agree with that and documentation as well. That's something that I've been um, working on to get better at and to improve because I think that really is, you know, going on as athletic training gets closer to, you know, billing for our services and stuff, documentation is really where it all comes back to. So I agree with everything. Matt, you want to give it a go? <laughs> we'll give this one more try here. Um, so another skill that kind of ties in with what Ali was just talking about was negotiation. I think it's very un Undervalued. I guarantee he's going to say undervalued. I agree 100%. We do not negotiate at all. We are terrible at it. 
Um, but I would also say that even ties into you treating your patient. So, you know, you easily see every day some athletic trainer probably complaining about an athlete, complaining about being in pain, but not doing their rehab. Um, so learning that fine line where you can negotiate and say, hey, maybe if I get you to do X, Y, and Z, I'll give you like the game ready or stim, or, you know, maybe I'll let you do a, B, or C at practice. B, you know, maybe it's an ankle sprain and hey, if you do this, then I'll let you at least pass around at practice or something. I think that yet again creates that buy in. Mm -hmm. Creates that buy in. All right, Nick, you got anything? Yeah. Sorry. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to give a professional, I'm not going to say I disagree with what Matt just said. I'm going to say, I think you got to be careful with that when you're negotiating with patients, because I think like, I think a good example of that and something I've used in my practice would be like, if a patient just comes in and they have chronic ankle problems, I would tell that patient, you need to be doing these exercise if you would like me to tape that ankle. Yeah. Now, if they want to go buy a brace, sure. That's awesome. But like if they're going to use my resources, then you need to show me that you're going to put in the time mm -hmm. to actually better that body part. I think, and, and I think we, I think, I think when you're like throwing like, oh, I'll give you game ready or I'll give you STEM if you do X, Y, or Z, I think if you don't want to affect the quality of care you're providing the patient. That's where I would say, like, okay, you got a total line there of, yeah, I'm not going to like not give you something because you're not doing your rehab, but at the same time i it's i don't know so i guess i didn't set that up well enough and i get where you're coming from now whereas yeah. you know like someone's maybe like sore or something you're like mm -hmm. if you stretch mm -hmm. then maybe i'll give you x y or z versus like as you said if it's like an ankle sprain you know if we that's where i kind of alluded to maybe i'll give them let them maybe mm -hmm. doing something at practice or something whereas like a necessity of care withholding that obviously yeah no Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. We're not yeah, no, I could I could tell your idea was coming from a good place, one hundred percent. I wanted to hit one thing on the mentoring. Mm -hmm. Um as someone who has had formal mentorship, informal mentors as well as being a mentor for someone, I think plain and simple, if if you're a young professional and you're looking for a mentor, one find some find someone that matches your values that you think, you know, models the values and the professional image you want do some homework on them and then just ask like i don't know any professional who if i got an email from someone even if it was a stranger like they just found me on social media if they gave me a well a professional email introducing themselves saying hey here are my goals and this is why i want you to be my mentor i would find it really hard to say no to that person and i don't know a lot of people who would say no other than if someone just simply hey i don't have the time like that would be the only reason. I don't know a lot of people who would just say, no, I'm not going to be your mentor for trivial reason. I think if you're looking for a mentor, do some homework on the person, send a very professional email to them saying, Hey, you know, here are my goals. Here's why. And more than likely, you know, what is, what is it going to hurt? You know, if they say yes, awesome. If no, okay, go find, go find someone else. Mike, you have anything to add? Anything to say? Good. No, you're good. Allie, anything before we close, or are you good too? 
All right. Well, I think we had a lot of great information in this video, and I appreciate the four of you coming on and spending, you know, 25 minutes or so out of your Sunday. Yeah, it's Sunday. See, we just got done with sectional basketball. We had six home basketball games, so the week's all jacked for me. But uh, thanks for coming on, and I hope to have everyone back in the future, and hopefully we can get Matt a little better uh, stability in the video here. <laughs> but uh, you guys have a great day, and have a good week at work. You too. Thank you. See you guys.